Scottish football is back in all its glory. Well, not quite. There's no fans inside the grounds to see it, but the teams are out there, the points are being won, and the Premiership season is finally back up and running. Celtic started their bid for 10 in a row with a thumping win over Hamilton. On the Celtic podcast this week, we'll have a look back at that first day victory for Neil Lennon's team, and also look ahead to some of the upcoming tasks for the champions, which begin at Kilmarnock on Sunday. As usual, there's transfer talk to be discussed. Vasilis Barkas was signed last week from AEK Athens, but is Neil Lennon still a goalkeeper shot? And also, there are plenty of other positions on the pitch which need to be discussed. So, over the next half an hour or so, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Champions League. It's draw time Sunday and Monday for the first two rounds of the competition, where Neil Lennon's team will discover his opponents for the first two challenges. Once again, thank you for joining us. I'm Craig Swan, but the person you really want to hear from is the one and only Chris Sutton. Chris, how are you? Very, very well. That's subjective, uh, Craig, that is, though, because many people love to hear your voice. I thought you were going to say there's more than one Chris Sutton. (laughs) There's only one, Swanee. Come on. Oh, there's only one. Okay, okay. Um, All well? All well? All good with you? Very, very good. Yep, yep. Enjoyed the weekend. Uh, enjoyed the start. Of course, I did. Rangers, good victory up at uh, at Aberdeen. Played well, controlled the game. Expected Celtic to win. If you know, if I'm honest, um, and it was, it was, it was decent. I mean, I don't think anybody's getting carried away with that. Certainly not the players or Neil Lennon. But it was pretty much job done. But work to do. Celtic were, of course, expected to win, as as you've suggested. Chris, what did you make of the manner of the display? Obviously, this was the first there had been behind closed doors test matches um, against Hibs and Ross County for Celtic to get used to the surroundings. But this was different. This was the competitive stuff. There's obviously one or two aspects we'll touch on about the performance. But overall, what did you make of it? Um, well, it's not easy for both sets of players, albeit Hamilton are pretty used to playing in, in front of empty stadiums. Um, it, it's, it's something that the players will have to get used to. But with what's at stake this season, um, the Celtic players came out and, and, and performed pretty well. As I say, there's a, you know there's there's plenty of work to do. There's some big games coming up. Tough game at the Kilmarnock at the weekend. A, a different sort of test on the plastic pitch. I'm, mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of plastic pitches. Um, and this season, I think with the nature of um, you know of COVID and a lack of finance in the Scottish games, then it is it, it's going to be even more crucial that ever. Uh, local lesser teams. I do think this. We say every year, but I do think that the head-to-heads really will have a huge bearing this season. Yeah, there was a fascinating dynamic I think we saw already in the first weekend, Chris, um, the five substitutes rule and how Mm. it can have a major beneficial effect for the teams with the bigger squads, i.e. Celtic, if I think Brian Rice alluded to it, you know, late in the game, I think Celtic brought on something in the region of 15 million's worth of rated talent with Olivier and Cham and Patrick Clamalla. So it was, um, it's not going to be easy for for the other teams and you've touched on that in recent weeks. Now, everyone talked afterwards about Odson Edward and we'll get to him up and running hat-trick already, we'll get to him in a minute but there was one or two aspects of the performance that some supporters were a little bit unsure about um, 
I think some were surprised even initially, and I, I may include you in this as well, Chris, I think, about Scott Bain starting, as opposed yep. to Vasilis Barkas. What did you make of that decision, and how do you think Scott Bain performed? Um, I was surprised by the uh, decision. Um, I thought that it, it was the perfect game, and of course I'm not party to you know what's gone on in training, but he, he arrived, uh, or was it his his first session on Thursday was it? He trained on Thursday anyway, and you think he'll probably never get the better opportunity to to start the game as such. You know, if he then starts at Kilmarnock, which I don't know whether they have plastic pitches in Greece, I wouldn't have thought there's any need to. So, you know, it's it's a it's a different surface, isn't it? I'm sure mm. he would he would have played on plastic pitches before, but you think Hamilton at home. Uh, you know, probably not going to have a lot to do. It was a, a perfect opportunity for him to, to go in and and get game time. Do you think um, there's a chance, Chris, that Scott Bain will, will retain the gloves for Sunday because of the reasons you've just mentioned? The um, plastic pitch and the, you know, if it's wet and skiddy, it might be a little bit to- you know different from anything Barkas has tasted before. Do you think Scott Bain I, might I, keep I, the gloves I, I, for Sunday? Yeah, I think that 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 is a chance. I don't. I don't I think we're all in the same boat. You don't understand if if Celtic are going to pay that sort of money out for a goalkeeper who yeah. highly rated goalkeeper. You think that Neil Lennon would play his best goalkeeper, and if he, if he's spending that sort of money, then you would expect him to come in and and be the number one. Um, I think Scott Bain is is okay as a backup keeper. I don't think that he's a number one keeper. I I, I don't I don't think he's he's good enough at this moment in time. I think that um, I understand both sides on the goal. There was a couple of deflections. I actually think he'll be disappointed with it. Actually went under his under his right hand as one of those as a goalkeeper where if you get that much of your, your hand on it or your fingers on it, he would. Have expected to keep that out. I just, I just don't, I don't feel to, I, I don't have the total confidence in him now. Of course, you look back at Fraser Forster last season, who, you know, arguably Odson Edward was Player of the Season. But or, or, I always felt when Forster was in goal uh, that that he was assured, he was he was confident, he wasn't going to make major errors he wasn't going to let soft goals in of course that you know all goalkeepers will have the odd mistake i never i never got that feeling with with fraser forster that it would be continuous mistakes and and letting soft goals in and with what's at stake this season then celtic need to have a top goalkeeper and i i, I don't put scott bain in that bracket and you know this isn't a personal attack on scott bain i think that he's a very capable goalkeeper but we're talking about playing for Celtic at this moment in time and I still think he's got a lot of work to do if, if he wants to be regarded as a number one You've made your points about the defensive situation Chris already on the podcast through the summer um, regarding getting somebody in to back up Julian and Ayer um, they didn't look totally at it on Sunday I think most people would agree there was one or two Aerial duels that they lost could have been punished. Um, Greg Taylor and Jeremy Frimpong were fantastic in an attacking sense, but I think the manager made the point that they also have to concentrate on their defensive duties as well. Um, what did you make of the, the back four as a unit? Um, I think you know a lot of that was down to all the performance was down to a consequence of the way Celtic played. The fullbacks high up the pitch. Um, 
I thought that Greg Taylor really uh, nice couple of crosses in for the goals and looked decent in the final third. One thing which worried me, not worried me last season, but when he when he plays in that wing back role, he's not one of those like a uh, I don't know Johnny Hayes has gone somebody who who has the pace just to get the ball and and push it past a, a full back and and whip across in, and he doesn't really have a have a trick, um, but. He does, does that have way a really good left foot and he's, he's a really good crosser of a ball. Does that I way think... of having Mohamed El Yunusi playing off that side makes a big difference, Chris, because he's so intelligent. He moves in off the line and opens, for example, I think it was the second goal that was scored that mm-hmm. El Yunusi moved in and vacated the space, which allowed McGregor to play Taylor in. Rather than him going past it, anyone with the ball, is it his movement off the ball to get into the position to take it to then whip the cross? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a that's a very good point. I think the you know the issue with uh, with with Greg Taylor is defensively. We saw early on in the game when uh, um, when the Hamilton player got uh, shifted the ball past him and whipped across in. And I know Martin O'Neill was was doing the um, Sky game at the weekend, and and that was one of his biggest bugbears where he you know he would say you know always enforced at a fullback stop the cross stop the cross that's your job don't let yeah. them get cross balls in easily and that's an area where you know you you have to say that the jury is out with Greg Taylor I, I, I don't I, you know, I saw that Celtic were linked with uh, another left back ball and goalie I just can't see it happening for him in a Celtic shirt that no. it, he may he may do something this season and play a run of games where I'll change my mind on him, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about him. So I just wonder whether eyes are on a, uh, another left back as well. I think Greg Taylor is okay, but is another one who has work to do. I think on the other side you have Frimpong, who brings so much energy to the side down that right hand side. I, I, I think he's. Uh, He's a, he's a brilliant watch. I think defensively, again, you know, you could look at him and say, well, he's got work to do. But I do think that uh, that they have such a big threat down that right-hand side with, and I know James Forrest likes to go on the outside as well, but he's clever enough to come inside and, and play little balls. But Brimpong is a revelation. I, I do feel that. I think with the two centre-halves, I think that they were both sloppy at the weekend. I thought it was one of those games where they probably thought this was just going to be easy. It's going to be a bit of a stroll and and, and they expected to win. And in fairness, um, you know, Hamilton from, from crosses and set pieces put Celtic under pressure. Uh, nobody on the post from corners and Celtic, I know they conceded against Rangers last season, the, uh, the Katic header. Ocampo had an opportunity from a corner. That would be one area of concern where you think, mm, just not quite sure about Celtic. Do they have a, a soft, a soft centre from set pieces? And, and I'm sure Neil will be really aware of, uh, of that. At the other end of the pitch, Chris, I don't think there's any debate about Odson Edwards anymore in terms of talent, ability, goals. The thing that occupies the mind of most Celtic supporters at the moment is the fact that his talents were showcased across the UK at the weekend. Everyone knows about him. October the 5th and the close of the transfer window is a long way away. How much is there a figure for Odson Edward where it becomes Celtic 
have to do a deal if somebody put money on the table? Or is this too big a season and it doesn't matter what they get offered? He can't be allowed to leave. Or is there a cut-off point? What do you think? <laughs> Celtic are a selling club, but they yeah. cannot sell Odson Edward this season. With, with what is at stake, with history on the line here, with the 10, why, why, why would Peter Lawwell sell him? Why would Neil Lennon want to sell him? It's ludicrous to be in this situation where Celtic would even contemplate selling him. I'm just, 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 just playing devil's advocate, Chris, if you look at you know, the, mo- the model of the club, and how it, 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 it has worked through the years, and what's made it, what's made the club successful, is the fact that you buy to develop to sell. Now, yeah. there's a, there was an inc- there was a situation at Aberdeen, for example, which gives you an idea of how fickle the situation can be. Aberdeen got offered two and a half million pounds for Sam Cosgrove. Mm. A week later, or two weeks later, he's got a serious knee injury, and and he and he's out for a couple of months. You know. You can't there is a, like that. That, well, that's what I'm asking. Is is there a situation where you have to, for the sake of the model, continue it going, or is this a one-off season where it, all of that goes into the dustbin? You just have to forget Celtic's hierarchy. Have to forget all about the model. It's all about winning ten in a row. Would you say that's the the the, the option that's facing them? Well, how, how many times have Celtic had the opportunity to to win ten in a row and break history? We, we all know that we. With what to say? Imagine the support. Imagine the message that it sends out to the support this season if Celtic sell their star man, their biggest player. Odson Edward is aware of, of what's at stake. It's, it's, this, is, you know, th- this shouldn't even be a discussion. It doesn't matter how much money uh, Celtic are offered for Odson Edward. There's history on the line here. And, and Celtic owe it to their support. Peter Lawwell owes it to the support. We're, we're not asking him to stay for another seven, eight years. We're asking him to stay for 12 months. And, yeah. and that's it. That's it in a nutshell. So as far if as you're concerned, somebody... there is no fee. There is no fee. There is no figure. There is no number. There just isn't one. No. There isn't a number. It, 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 it really doesn't matter what's offered. The punters have burned the stadium down. If Celtic sold Odson Edward and showed that that much lack of ambition, this is, after ten, things may change, and I think we can all understand it. We know Celtic are a selling club, but you can't be a selling club with ten on the row, uh, with ten in a row on the line. You cannot be a selling club with that at stake. Okay, with that secured, and Odson Edward stays, there is obviously the transfer discussion about who might be able to come in to back him up. Neil Lennon hasn't made any secret of the fact that he is looking for another striker, that it seems to be that Back and Vio will be allowed to go, so there is a space for one to make up the four, um, which every manager tends to suggest that they want, four top strikers for 50-odd games, 60 games possibly in the season. Chris, Stephen Fletcher has been mentioned. Um, there has been talk of players from England who will cost fees, um, Stephen Fletcher is available on a free transfer um, because he's turned his contract offer down at Sheffield Wednesday. At 33, is he an option? Is he a genuine option for Celtic? Do you think he could fit into the setup? 
I think it's uh, it's a good option. I've always rated him as a player um, from his early days at Hibs. I think he's uh, I think he's really developed where he may have been a little bit raw then, but he had a nice goal. What I like about him is that he's one of those he'll he'll nick goals. But he's such a good team player, such a good focal point, such a good link man. And he's very, very slick. He's so tidy holding the ball in. He's got good awareness of what's in and around him. And at 33, he'll, he'll, I know he looks after himself and conditions himself very, very well. He's in the gym uh, a couple of times a week. He knows what it takes. He's a good pro. But he knows he's not going to play week in and week out because Odson Edward is the main man. But if you want to give Edward a rest at times, then he's a he's a uh, a near perfect replacement. He's yeah. and, and when you actually think about you know there was talk of Ivan Tony Barry Fry saying, Well you was it you you got to give us ten and ten and a half million, eleven million? Come on. I mean, you know Is there, uh, is there also a situation there, Chris, where if you're signing if a, if someone like a Tony comes or someone like an Albiana Jetty comes, they want to play. It's hard to convince them to play that, that, that to cut to, to join Celtic when they're not going to be guaranteed to play. Whereas if you take someone at the age and stage of their career of Stephen Fletcher, who would understand his experience enough to understand, right? Okay, I'm not playing every week, but will still be able to contribute rather than huff and sulk and demand and blah blah blah. And I suppose there's all that. That also fits into the talk about David Marshall as well and possibly do Celtic need another goalkeeper? Do, do they need three? Are, are these guys where they are, they're, they're in their 30s and they understand what they would be coming into? Yeah, well, just, just touching on the, flesh, uh, the Fletcher one first, I think that Celtic played with Odson Edward as the lone striker at the weekend. But you know, there's a strong argument to say that, uh, that Neil Lennon will play two strikers a lot this season. He, w- he will chop and change, especially, you know, after the, the way Celtic defended at the weekend. He may actually feel with the three at the back that it makes them stronger uh, defensively. They can't uh, be as expansive. I think it was in truth because it was Hamilton, the way they played such an expansive style of football. They're not going to play like that every week, Celtic. Absolutely no chance. So there is the opportunity of Celtic playing uh, two up. And it looks, well, it's not the opportunity, uh, very, very likely that it's going to happen. So, and with Lee Griffiths uh, and the trust element uh, not there at this moment in time, with Lee, wasn't at the be- uh, on the bench at the weekend, uh, that you know, he may have a, a, an ankle knock, but that will be interesting to see how uh, and when Lee comes back and what sort of shape he actually is in. But there's another... Um, place up for grabs up top. I've got to say, I thought Klimala on for a few minutes at the weekend took his goal very, very well, and that will do him the world of good. But the beauty about Fletcher is Fletcher can play as a one. He could be a foil for Edward. He is that good. He's an intelligent footballer. I, I, I get the feeling that this is one really, and I, I don't know, I don't know what the hold up with this actually is. You know, is it is it because Celtic are, are trying to get a, a, a jetty in? But when you actually sit down, you think about it, you think about Fletcher uh, as a professional, you think about no fee involved. Really, that would it would be a situation where 
it would settle everything down in many respects for uh, for Neil because there must be a desire and a will to get players in who uh, can really strengthen this Celtic team. And there's not that worry with the with respect to Klimala and Bio. Celtic have spent reasonable money on them in the last couple of seasons, but they haven't come in. And you always get the feeling that they are a work in process. Having said all that, that is what Celtic are. They, you know, they bring players in to develop. They've done it with Odson Edward. Stephen yeah. Fletcher isn't a development player. Of course, he's not at 33. But he's a good footballer. Uh, he's an assured footballer. And you know what you're going to get from him. And because of that, I, I think that that would be a really sensible option. Just briefly, we touched on David Marshall there. Do you feel Celtic would need three, Chris, for a 55-60 game season? Or would, would Conor Hazard be good enough to back up Barkas and Bain? Or do they need another one? And if so, again, does Marshall fall into the same category as Stephen Fletcher? Experienced, reliable, understands the situation, available for nothing. Perfect yeah, I- solution. I like David Marshall a lot. Um, I'd put him ahead of Scott Bain in the pecking order. I've not seen enough of of Barkas, if I'm I'm honest. Um, It'd be harsh on Hazard in many respects. And and, uh, I mean, I suppose, you know, there's the argument until you give him the opportunity. uh, You you never know how how he's going to do. You know, I, I understand that argument. But with what's at stake this season, I don't think... I think another goalkeeper makes sense, but this may come down to, to you know David Marshall and the the finance aspect. But another one who's a who's a good professional knows the club inside out. Does that matter? Well, I suppose that you know he knows what's at stake this season. Um, but I, you know I don't think that would be a uh, a bad thing getting another goalkeeper in. Um, do I think that it is? Um, high on the priority list or, or top of the priority list? Absolutely not. You know, I would rather see um, talk about Celtic bringing another centre-half in because that's what they need and another left-back in because that's what they need. Whether anyone's in place in time for Sunday's trip to Rugby Park is up for debate. It's actually quite a big day on Sunday, Chris, because it's a, it's a big game for Celtic. And it's also the first Champions League draw will take place. There's draws on Sunday and Monday, I believe, for the first couple of rounds. Um, Kilmarnock first. Uh, it's always tough. Celtic had a good win there in January when they came back from Dubai. But previous trips had been tricky, to say the least. It's It's been a place where points have been shipped in the past. Do you suspect it's a dangerous one at this time of the season, Chris? Yes, I yes I do. Uh, horrible pitch, isn't it? Um, Kilmarnock used to playing on it. I don't think that, that any player, actually players who you know play for Kilmarnock wouldn't enjoy playing on that. Nobody. Who, who likes playing on plastic pitches? We all hate them. Uh, but, you know, we know why they're there. They're good for the community, bring money into the, into the club. Celtic just have to get on with it. And it's one of those... Um, when you go and, and play on plastic pitches, you, you just go there and think about the three points. The three points is all that matters. It's not about performance. It's about gutsing it out, finding a, a way of playing. I mean, it, a lot of games which I've commentated on at Kilmarnock, the pitch is slow, it's, it's dry, you can't get any pace to your passing, which, um, 
you know, makes it difficult for, you know, Celtic, who like to pass the ball around quickly. And then you look at Kilmarnock's team. I know they lost to Hibs at the weekend, but, you know, we're talking about Barkas earlier. They just wondered whether that may have actually been in Neil Lennon's mind, the fact that uh, that, that they chucked the uh, the boy Eastwood in, didn't they, who'd, who'd come up on loan and yeah. they'd bought Danny Rogers, hadn't they, from um, yes. from Aberdeen. Same, yeah. And then they, yeah. they'd bring him on, at, um, you know, at halftime when the damage is already done. But they have an experienced, uh, certainly a... An experienced spine to the team, the likes of Broadfoot and, uh, and and Power in the middle of the park. Finley's a decent centre half. Surprised that Eamon Brophy didn't play at the weekend, or he came on a sub. Sorry, um, who's always seems to do well against Celtic and Rangers. I think he's a he's a real pest to play against. You know, holds the ball mm. in well. I think he causes uh, a threat in behind. So, I, I actually think Kilmarnock are, are an awkward proposition. Um, Gary Dicker as well didn't play at the weekend, which which was a bit of a surprise. He was returning from an injury, Chris. He was returning. Yeah. He, he's just had uh, surgery a couple mm. of weeks ago, so it was actually a bonus for Kilmarnock to get him back onto the bench uh, yeah. on Saturday. Starting wasn't a, wasn't realistic, but you would expect after a full week's training, he'll be back in his usual spot on Sunday. Yep, so it's one of those for Celtic. Go there, uh, get the job done and, uh, and, and, and you know, take the points and and then on to the next game. Simple as that, but a tough, tough fixture. European draws, Chris, at this stage of the competition. Obviously, the situation's changed. Mm. Um, there's no two legs. It's one-offs. Looking through the list of potential opponents for Celtic for the first round, it should be on paper, games they should win. But is the draw all about simply, with this one-legged situation, getting a game at home? if you possibly can and avoiding far-flung destinations I think that the first round last year was um, Sarajevo um, so is it really at this stage just hoping for Celtic Neil Lennon hoping for a game at home no, no, no long distance travel I think it, well, what's the situation in all the rounds then I mean, is, is it just simply one leg in the first three rounds yeah, yeah I know that the, but just in terms of home and away I mean so you can get a home draw or in, in three of the rounds, can you? Yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. So, yeah, of course, you're praying for a home draw, aren't you? Uh, yeah. I think you'd, you know, you'd, you'd have to look at, I think the, there's a possibility of getting Connors Key, is it, of, uh, of, of Wales, who um, beat Kilmarnock. Scudge of Kilmarnock. Yeah. It's funny, it's, funny, it's funny, though, last season, Chris Celtic went out of Europe to close in Copenhagen and performed brilliantly away from home in both games. Mm. It gave the it's ties away at home twice. These are a, this is a nightmare this season scenario. And I know Celtic are seeded, I think, in all the rounds, which is a big deal. But having said that, you know, it can be a refereeing decision. Things can go against you. Um, I think Celtic have also got the possibility of playing, uh, I think, a Europa FC from Gibraltar, if I'm right in saying. I don't know whether... I mean, would that be another plastic pitch? I mean, Celtic that, supporters that, across Europe shuddering <laughs> thought of yeah. a return to Gibraltar. Yeah, no, exactly. But, you know, it, you get another rotten, rank, rotten plastic pitch you have to go out and play on, which, you know, isn't a, an up-to-date one. Yeah. It, uh, 40 it be, degree heat. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a nightmare. And, you know, things can go against you. So this... The pressure's really on, and in many respects, we understand why it's why it's one leg, you know, one game shootout. 
But uh, over two legs with these ties, of course, if you're a str- the stronger side, the seeded side, we, we wouldn't even be batting an eyelid at this opening round. Uh, you know, the possibility of getting Europa, Connors Key or, or Dinamo Brest. You, you, you just think, you know, foregone conclusion, over two legs, Celtic are through. Celtic getting a way draw in this, you're thinking, oh, blimey, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very watchable because you just don't know. And of course, the, the further they go on in the competition, get through the first round, uh, I think they've got the possibility of drawing uh, uh, a team from Bratislava. And we all know the, the history from, uh, you know, with Celtic and teams from, uh, from Bratislava. So there's also, there's also the travel situation as well, Chris, isn't there, at this stage? You know, different countries, different COVID rules. It's just, it's, it's just hassle, isn't it? Even away, even away from football. Um, just, just, well, just get, getting a home tie is perfect. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, I don't see, you know, the, the flights as an issue. Celtic will just charter a plane, won't they? So I don't see that being a, you know, a major issue. I think, uh, you know, like you say, the players would preferably play at home. I think once you get through to the uh, the third round and, and, you know, the possibility of coming up against a Legion Warsaw or or a red star, then that's when it gets really, really serious. And they are, if, you know, if Celtic ended up with one of those two teams, they're 50-50 games. Yeah. And that is, that's why it's... For a clue. You know, this season, we, we have to look at it, I, I do think, a little bit differently. Um, you know, with two legs, it's, you know, you've got a far, far greater chance of going through if you're Celtic than the, than the one-leg shootouts. Um, you know, it's all about over the 90 minutes. Um, don't want to make excuses for Celtic, but that's a, you know, we all know that that's a tough one. It's nice to have it all back, isn't it, Chris? Games, goals, European draws. Yeah, a long time, yeah. wasn't it? Talking about the same things. Yeah, it's great. Good to get it, it back. Get the game back. What do you make of good... you make it a pipe, the pipe sound into the into the stadium at Celtic Park? You're a fan of that? <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to? Would you like to be getting abuse over the PA system? <laughs> uh, it's a t- it's a tough old uh, tough old job, that isn't it? It's pressing the right button. I mean, there was. I mean, the, the, I for goodness it, sake, Sutton. I, I, yeah, there's a lot that. of them. What are you doing? What are you doing, big nose? What'd you do that for? You lanky piece of dear, oh dear. You you you're hopeless, Sutton. Any chance you get the ball to Larson more? What was oh, the best one you got? What was the best one you ever got? And keep it clean. Uh, well, well, actually, going back to the uh, the Bratislava game, um, so I'd had Neil Lennon put his knee through my face, and uh, and I'd had a quadruple fracture of my cheek, uh, which was a really nasty injury. So I'd gone away to hospital. I was carried off after eight minutes uh, when the score was nil nil. Uh, by the way, and then <laughs> I, then my face was caved in. I went back and uh, found out the score, went back to the stadium to, to go back on the flight. And as I was walking to the coach, there were loads of Celtic fans outside and some of the players were walking out in front of me and they were getting absolute pelters. You know, you could imagine what they were saying. Ah, yeah, crap, this, that, the other to, to every player. And much worse than that. And I'm thinking, well, nobody's going to say anything to me because <laughs> I came off at nil-nil. So anyway, I wonder, right, my face is, you know, my face is in absolute pieces. I mean, you know, even for me, I'm looking really ugly. And I'm thinking, well, they're going to give me an easy ride. And the next thing, oh, your legs are gone, big man. You're <laughs> hopeless, big man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
something and you're just thinking, Jesus Christ, <laughs> just lay off me. I mean, incredible stuff. But uh, that was probably the worst, the worst I had. I can can't, you can't, you can't go losing five nil away from home, Chris. Can't go losing five nil away from home. Yeah, but it's nil-nil, Swanee. I mean, you know, it wasn't down to me, was it? Oh, had I stayed no on, we probably no would have qualified. There's no iron team. There's no iron team. Yeah. The, irony, the irony was Neil Lennon was moaning about treatment on his knee, uh, <laughs> having treatment on his knee the next couple of weeks. So that hurt to, get your te- to get your teeth out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Chris, thank you very much for your contribution this week. It's been great, as ever. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Good stuff. All right. Cheers, Funny. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Good luck.